you will see Moses in, in pictures and paintings and sculptings. Moses has horns. And it's been around, all around the world. People have wondered, why is it Moses? He has horns. And it's, it's uh, interesting to understand what the horns represent on Moses. The horns of Moses, and you will see that there was a, in the ancient world, at Moses' time, in that ancient time, there was a moon god. And the moon god's name was Sin. And he was always represented by the lower quarter of the moon. And so the lower quarter on the moon was used as a symbol for moon worship. And they had goddesses of moon worship, which you have. Also, in Rome, you had moon gods. You know, the American Native Americans also have horns because they counted their days by many moons. Their days were like the Hebrews today. After six o'clock began a new day. It was the same thing with the Native Americans. So all of these people from the ancient Hebrews to the Native Americans were using a lunar calendar. Lunar simply meaning the moon, and so the symbol for the lunar was the horns of the bull, or the horns that which the Vikings used. This is a symbol for the lunar symbol, which you'll find everywhere in different religions. These are the, these are the horns that Moses wore. Here in Israel, you'll see um, you'll see carvings of the arms raised to raise and to praise the moon, and Egyptian paintings show the moon. The Blessed Mother in Christianity stands on the moon. You'll see the moon um, everywhere in the ancient world of religion, which was showing us that the moon was very important, even at the time of Moses in Egypt. Moon worship was very prominent. And of course today, the, the Islamic world still uses the moon also. And, uh, and in the Western world, the moon is still used as a symbol. We're talking about a moon cult many thousands of years ago in Egypt, of which Moses was a leader of the Hebrew people, which were worshippers of the moon at that time. If you go on the web and just put in, uh, just type in moon god sin, it will have all kinds of information showing you about how the moon was a very important part of worship in the ancient world. And they, uh, they will also tell you that Moses was a leader of a lunar cult. It, there's a lot of information about the, the moon cult and the moon god, Yahweh or Allah. Here is a classic example in the ancient world of the, the moon god Sin. The god himself was, his name was called Sin. And, and in the ancient world, Ai was a mountain in the times of ancient Egypt. Ai was a mountain. And so we have this moon god Sin on it, in, in, in the mountain. Ai, and put it together and becomes Sinai. So Mount Sinai is actually, no, the moon god Sin in the mountain of Sinai. Well, Mount Sinai today is is felt to be the center for and the, and the really foundation for the Jewish religion as it began to spread throughout the Middle East. Mount Sinai was where God met, met with Moses. God met with the, his people at Mount Sinai. But Mount Sinai is actually sin Ai. Now, it's interesting that today in most of the Western world, the word synagogue is spelled S-Y-N-A. 
but in Israel it's S-I-N-A because Israel realizes that the original word was S-I-N not S-Y-N and because of the moon god sin synagogue basically means temple of the moon because sin was the moon god I think it's important to realize that there's a difference in the way it's spelled one way in Israel and a different way in, in the rest of the world here is just one of many reference works. This is by an Andrew K. from the uh, from the Southern Methodist University. His article is "Traces of the Worship of the Moon God Sin Among the Early Israelites." The Jewish tradition uh, talks about the combination of the heavenly moon as a part of the a most important part of the Jewish worship at that time. There are many symbols and and emblems and paintings showing Moses in relation to the moon. And so here is a pictures of a priest lighting a fire to signal a new moon. Here you will see an illustration of the Israelites and their worship of the moon, the prayer to the new moon. And below you will see sanctification of the new moon. This is from Amsterdam as far back as 1723, showing the importance still in the worship of Israel for the new moon, for the moon. Above you will see the new moon etching from a, from a book back in 1748 showing the Jews celebrating the new moon. Today, the new, new moon is still very important around the world to many cultures. And here we have a picture of Egypt and the Sinai. And down the, toward the bottom of the Sinai, there was a huge mountain range. And so here we see a better picture where Mount Sinai is referred to in the area of the wilderness of Sin. And Sin, of course, is the moon god. Sin is originally the moon god of the Arabic world. Allah and Sin... And, and, and Moses with, uh, with Yahweh, it all had to do with the worship of the, of the moon god, Sin. And for some reason, the ancient Arabic world placed a very high respect on the moon. It's probably based on uh, some phenomena that the, that the new moon caused, because the Arabic world and the ancient world in general realize that the moon has a huge effect on our bodies. It has an effect on our uh, food supply and it pulls the oceans of the world. And so the moon was very important to the ancient world. I mean, that is a whole study in itself, why the uh, ancient Arabic world had such a reverence for the moon. They always used the moon to keep the track of days because their days started at sundown, at six o'clock. Because why? Because that's when the moon comes out. While the Christians were worshiping and, and having their holidays and, and important times in, in their religion, on Sunday they were worshiping uh, on, you know, worshiping the sun of God. The ancient Arabic world and the ancient Hebrews were under the influence of the moon god. The Christians, as you know, have a sun calendar. And their days start with the, with, from sun to sun. While the Hebrews and the ancient Arabic world had a lunar calendar, which, uh, counts their days from sundown to sundown. The moon, as it comes up, and it was referred to as the lunar god who lived in the mountain. 
and the real Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai itself was understood to be a volcano. And this is why when Moses goes up into the Mount Sinai to get the uh, the new Ten Commandments from God, he is confronted by the mountain is on fire. And so anytime you have a mountain on fire, that happens if you have a volcano. And so Mount Sinai was known and is even today uh, recognized as being uh, probably connected to volcano worship also. And so this is why Moses goes up and he sees the mountain on fire and he talks to God. And the scriptures, even in the, New, in the Old Testament, the Bible says that the, uh, that the ancient Hebrews were frightened when they would hear the thunder in the mountain because they said thunder was a word uh, we call thunder, but the ancient Hebrews said it was the voice of God. He's talking to them. And he had lightning, and that was trying to get their attention. So God was very angry and very uh, upset with the Jewish people because it was like a mountain on fire. Well, of course, we're talking about a volcano. So Moses becomes important in volcano worship also. Here you will see Moses' pictures. These are all pictures from Christian and Jewish publications showing Moses going up into the mountain, and it appears to be a volcano. Well, that's because it was a volcano. Here we have some a Jewish publication showing the children of Israel running away when they hear God thundering in the mountain. It looks like a volcano. All of the pictures of Moses going up into the mountain to get the Ten Commandments always shows the mountain on fire. All right, so here we have Moses preparing to go up to the mountain uh, to get the new Ten Commandments from God. And that appears to be a volcano. Here is a particular uh, religious celebration. It's called the Feast of the Giving of the Law. And in the Hebrew reference works, you look up the, uh, the celebration of the Feast of the Giving of the Law, and what do you see but a volcano? So the word volcano comes from a Latin volcano god called Vulcan. Or Valcanus. It's derived from an old Christian deity, Valcanus. Here is the old volcano god Vulcan. And it was always because the people were frightened to death that the thunder and the lightning that was caused by the volcano. And they thought it was God talking to them. And so then we talk about Prometheus, uh, was another ancient god about the time, was also a volcano god who was worshipped and took him to Greece, while Yahweh was a volcano god who the worshippers took him back to Judah. And this is again why Moses encountered God in the burning bush, and it seems as not only the burning bush, the whole mountain was on fire. Yahweh was worshipped by the Jews as a volcano god and a lunar deity. And there's a lot of interesting connections with the ancient world religions that it's not that easy to explain uh, how all of these pieces came together to form a particular religion. It says in one of the reference books, it says, Yet the original Yahweh seems to have begun as a volcano god also. Mount Sinai, where Moses encountered him, was the seat of a Midianite god who had formerly dwelt in a volcano. 
Here we have Moses getting the law from God. And you'll see the lightning and the fire and the thunder and the lightning all around him. We go back to uh, the book of Exodus where we where we read, And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud. Now this is talking about the time when, when the Jews were leaving out of Egypt and God was going to be with them as they went on their journey. And so it said that God went before the people by day in a pillar of cloud. He showed that he was with them by having a cloud follow them everywhere they went to lead the way out. And by night, he would have a pillar of fire to give them the indication that he was with them at night. They could see the fire. So they knew God was with them. In the daytime, it would be a pillar of cloud, and at night, it would be a pillar of fire. It goes on to say in 22, it says, And he took not away the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night from before the people to let them know he was with them. Well, that's what you get in a volcano is a pillar of cloud by day, right? A pillar of cloud by day does not necessarily mean God is there. It means it's a volcano. And then you have a pillar of fire by night, of course, a volcano. So we go on to read in different parts of the Old Testament Bible about Yahweh being a, a god of the fire and the pillar of fire, etc., now, here in Job 38 in the Old Testament, we read that uh, in the footnotes, the storm, the clouds, God's tent. And so the ancients believed the clouds were a tent in which God lived when he was following them. So the clouds, God's tent, gathers as the thunder, the voice of Yahweh, roared. They descended and God shoots the arrows of his lightning down in 37 uh it says his thunderbolts, God thunders wonderfully with his voice, showing that uh, Yahweh in the Old Testament was just another volcano God who thunders with his voice. And, of course, Zeus was also connected to the worship of Yahweh because he was also a God of lightning and thunder, the same as Yahweh. As a matter of fact, there's a whole story about the connection between Zeus and Jehovah, uh, because today Zeus gives us our word for God, Dios, in Latin. And so Dios is Latin as God is taken for the name of uh, Zeus. And they even have a canal called the Suez Canal, which is Zeus spelled backwards. So Zeus was very important back in those ancient days too as a, as a volcano god. You can see how the ancient people would be frightened, thinking that God was in this holy mountain and the mountain's on fire. Uh, we keep in mind that in the Hebrew language, it says thunder is called koloth, or voices, for it's considered the voice of God. The Bible in the Old Testament uses a term for uh, for the voice of God, but it is actually the, the, the word for thunder. After it, a voice roared. He thundered with his voice of his excellency. Again, just showing that we were talking about a volcano god going all the way back into ancient Egypt. And Yahweh was also called Volcanus. Uh, he was a Vulcan god, uh, the god of the Vulcans. Even today in Hawaii, the volcano goddess 
the whole idea of connecting a god with a volcano has to do with the sexual reproduction of the human race. That's the fire of reproduction. And so it's the fire that gives life to, to the earth. That's where it actually came from. Today, the Jewish religion is not as dominated by the moon as it was maybe thousands of years ago. So ideas change from time to time. Here's another important part of the Moses story, is that Moses, we are told, when the Israelites were trying to get out of the area they were in, and God was with them, they didn't have the foods, and they were they were starving. And so they came to Moses and said, you told us to leave and, and we're following you, but now we, we don't have any food to, to eat. Moses talks to God and said that God gave to the Hebrew people a manna to eat. And it was spelled M-A-N-N-A, manna. And so it was the manna from heaven. God said, all right, I will give you food for the moment. You're not going to starve. God told Moses, tell the people to go out in the morning, early morning, and on the ground there will be little round white disc-shaped things and and to eat it because this will be good for you. And so that will save you from starving. Mana is actually in Hebrew means what is it? Because the people didn't know what it was. It was on the ground and it was good to eat, but they don't know what it is. Then the Bible goes on to say that it was small, mana was small, it was round, flaky, it was white. It was obviously from heaven because Moses said God gave it to them. And so here we have pictures of the Israelites under Moses' direction out in the morning picking the mana from heaven to eat. Even in the Bible it says, and when the dew, this is in Exodus talking about this time, And it says, and when the dew that lay on the ground was dried up in the morning, behold, on the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as hoarfrost on the ground. And when the children of Israel saw it, they said to one another, it is manna, for they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, this is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. We now know that what we were talking about was mushrooms. So we're talking about the ancient people of Israel were being fed by God mushrooms, a magic mushroom. And so you see the people of Israel on the grounds in the morning picking mushrooms. And we know now there's been a lot of books written about the magic mushroom as it's used in the religious rituals. And in the Jewish culture and in the ancient cultures of the Middle East, a lot of people use mushrooms. Today, like James Arthur's famous book, Mushrooms and Mankind, The Mystery of Mana, Magic Mushrooms, Society of Mushrooms of the World, uh, Psychedelic Sacraments of the Mushroom, a lot of people do not know that the Hebrews were very interested in this mana from heaven and have kept a tradition. And today, mushroom and eating mushrooms are is still, uh, you know, being used today around the world. But what we're talking about actually is the magic mushroom, which is a psychedelic mushroom. 
uh, eating the mushroom, we are told, uh, enhances your ability to understand things openly, uh, opens your mind up so you can understand and see things and experience the spiritual and the, the metaphysical uh, properties of life. Here is an article in Israel that says Moses was high on drugs, Israeli researcher writes. There's been quite a few articles in Israel. Uh, here's another one from an Israeli magazine or newspaper. Uh, Hebrew University researcher Moses was tripping out on Mount Sinai, showing that even in Israel they realized that uh, Moses was not only the leader of a moon cult, he was also connected to a volcano god. And then also he was the one that was introducing the use of, uh, the use of magic mushrooms to the Jewish community. You can actually see the connection with the so-called New Age movement today and the and the progression of, of the same old, as I've said before, uh, the more we change, the more we stay the same. Today we're talking about a new age that's coming, a new time, and a new law, and a new understanding of, of God. And what's part of that is uh, magic mushrooms again, and, and natural phenomena. Moses was not the only one on mushrooms. We also see mushrooms going back even further back in time than the, than the time of Moses. If you look today, you will see in the Vatican, Adam and Eve supposedly in the Garden of Eden with the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Actually, in the Vatican, it shows the Adam and Eve at the mushroom, taking mushrooms. There's another Christian fresco showing Amanita Muscara as the tree of good and evil in the Garden of Eden. So according to the ancient Vatican records, uh, Adam and Eve were not in the garden with the tree, as we've been told, but they actually show Adam and Eve eating a mushrooms. And that was opening their mind to be against God and to do all kinds of things that they couldn't do before. So the magic mushroom has been around for a long time, too. John Allegro was number three man in the translation of the Dead Sea Scrolls. And in it, his book called The Sacred Mushroom and the Cross, which is a study of the nature and the origins of Christianity within the fertility cults of the ancient Near East,